What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Real Talk NFT, where we talk all thing Web3. Super excited today to have on Calvin Chen, who is the CEO and founder of Legitimate, a premier digital ecosystem for the next generation of consumer retail applications. Ooh, that's long. Hopefully, I did that okay. Yeah. Thanks for having. Thanks for having me. Um, it, it's a pleasure to be here, guys. Awesome. Well, before we dive into all things legitimate and your most recent、uh, launch, which was pretty exciting, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, how you got into Web three. We know everyone has a pretty unique story there. Yeah.、Um, let's just start with the Web three side because I think everything before that might be a little too long for this. But、uh, <laughs> okay. I actually,、um, you know, was working in New York at the time, and one of my friends was doing his PhD at.、Uh, Columbia、uh, in machine learning, and one day, you know, I was chilling at him, chilling with him at his apartment. And he brings home this like huge rig that Columbia granted him、uh, to train his、uh, data models on. He's like, "Yo, I'm gonna be mining this coin like called Ethereum. Like, you should check it out." And I was like, "Wait, what?" And obviously, before that, you know, I was I was tangentially, you know, aware of things like Bitcoin, and and obviously bought and sold like. Just a little bit on Coinbase, but I never, you know, really, you know, dived into the space at all.、Uh, but he started talking to me about, you know, what the benefits of Ethereum were over, you know, something like Bitcoin, and that got me really interested. So my background's in software.、Um, I, you know, have been working with startups, in startups, founding startups, basically my entire adult life.、Um, and after that night. You know, it must have been the universe telling me something, but I got headhunted. I got a I got an email in my inbox saying, you know, Web three crypto firm hiring senior software engineers, and I was like, you know what, screw it, I'm going to do it. So I actually joined.、Um, I was employee number five at a startup called AirSwap. I don't know if you guys、uh, remember or, or or were around during that time, but we built one of the first sort of decentralized swap protocols for crypto assets. Um, back in 2017,、nice. 2018, 2019.、Uh, so that was super, super exciting. This was during the obviously the ICO sort of craze, the the bubble back then, and、um, it was my first sort of entrance into Web three. I thought it was really cool.、Um, we actually ended up being acquired by uh, Consensus oh,、nice. uh, in 2019. And、uh, if you've ever bought and sold or traded anything on the MetaMask plugin. That、yes. is actually、um, the wrapper around、uh, you know some of the some of the technology and tooling that I built back in back at AirSwap. So、um, that's sort of my rise to knowing everybody in the space, kind of being involved in the space. But I actually didn't end up staying.、Um, a lot of my peers did. Obviously, they're still working on the MetaMask team and whatnot. I actually ended up leaving. Uh, because for the longest time, I wanted to merge technology with something else that I'm really passionate about, which is streetwear, luxury, and fashion.、Um, primary sort of focus was this big problem at the time; it still is, is the idea of counterfeit products、um, and the counterfeit industry as a whole. Right? You know, 29, back in 2019, it was like a, what a 500 billion dollar plus industry,、mm-hmm. um, and I just knew that like if somebody could create a solution for Connecting physical products to on-chain digital identities, then、uh, that would be a very, very you know, strong and unique solution. So, hence, that was how Legitimate started back in、uh, 2019. Actually, wow, you were in on it early. I mean, you know, understanding bridging the gap with like a digital item in 2019 is really impressive. It 
You know what? It's it's one of those things where I think it might have been a little too early. Yeah. Right. Like <laughs> the one of those things where nobody was really even like on that sort of thought process at the time. Um, and the thing with this space is it's all about momentum. So if if you're really kind of like you know too early and not riding the wave in terms of what what is uh, really trending at the time, then um, you know, it, it might not necessarily succeed. I'm, I'm super glad that I stuck it out. You know, obviously, you know, we've been around for a while. We've seen, you know, multiple crypto winters, you know, bear markets just in legitimate's lifetime alone, but we're in a really unique position right now. And I, I feel really good about sort of the direction the industry is headed. Obviously a lot of the major players have started shifting and focusing on, you know, the concept of digital, the concept of IP, physical products, unique digital experiences. So it's, it's all good right now. You know what? Could you dive a little deeper with the recent, um, like with legitimate? And I know you have a recent collaboration with like Rock Nation and Puma, and it's garnered like a ton of interest. What was the inspiration behind that partnership? And really, how did it all come about? Because those aren't like mom and pop shops. I mean, it's like Rock Nation and Puma. <laughs> I think the biggest thing is that it's not, you know, a. I, I need to make this very clear. It's not an NFT project. It's not being marketed as blockchains, not being marketed as any of that at all, really. Like you can walk into a Foot Locker store and buy one of these things, right? Um, so I think that's a huge, huge stepping stone for an industry that has always said like, what are the real world use cases? It's there, it's in you know stores, it's on shelves. And frankly speaking, like consumers don't even have to know anything about the technology that's behind the scenes here. And I think that's what's really powerful. To take it back, how did this all get started? It definitely wasn't something that happened overnight, you know, and it, it, it really kind of stays true to the idea of the concept of the drop. So let me just talk about the drop first. It's, uh, you know, a sneaker slash capsule collection drop that Puma created in collaboration with Rock Nation to celebrate the yeah. 50th anniversary of hip hop. So that's happening. Like th- that's this mm-hmm. summer, basically. Right. A lot of brands, a lot of artists, entertainment labels are doing stuff for this, you know, 50th anniversary. This was Puma and Rock Nation's way of sort of celebrating and paying homage to that. Um, and what this sneaker does is actually you can buy the sneaker and bring your phone close to the tongue of the shoe. Mm-hmm. And it actually unlocks a unique digital experience that's tied to the, cu- the, the customer, the owner of the shoe. And that actually grants you exclusive access to this mixtape that Rock Nation curated, featuring 14 unreleased tracks, music videos, and content that like changes and, and obviously you know adds over time. Um, and this was, you know, one of the craziest collaborations I've ever been a part of. I mean, this was 14 months in the making. We started talking about this specific project last summer in June. Um, but the relationship started way before then. I mean, I met Emery Jones at Rock Nation like three years ago. Um, I met Alexander John, the, the designer behind the actual sort of colorway and the, the sneaker um, also three years ago. And, and we've been talking about, hey, how can we leverage this in a way that stays true to, you know, culture and stays true to what both Puma and Rock Nation stands for? So it was, it was a lot of being patient and waiting for the right time. And, and when this project came about. Uh, you know, it was a no brainer. Wow. That is, yeah. Big companies usually move a little bit slower 
with a, a good activation. We saw a lot of brands move really quickly. Yeah. It's kind of like cash grabby, right? In the year 2021. Right. So this right. is something really special in my opinion because I bought a V Friends in Toys R Us. That's kind of like my first like NFT, uh, but in a different way. They didn't have an NFC chip in it. I also got a Pudgy Penguins from like Amazon, but you guys yeah. are actually in Foot Lockers in a meaningful way. Like this is actually a meaningful activation because streetwear, shoe culture with music has always been synonymous. And in the 90s or 2000s, it would be kind of clunky to kind of do what you wanted to do here, right? Like maybe it'll take a receipt and enter it into like a, a, yeah. a website. So yeah. how has people, you know, adopted it? Like, have you seen people really liking it? Like, are they utilizing the, the NFC chip? What's been your feedback so far? I know it's really early. It's only been a month, less than a month, actually. Yeah, it's been two weeks, actually. Oh and okay. also, so, so the release... I mean, I, I don't have full clarity into the distribution of, of the sneakers themselves, but what, what I know is that we actually just ended up, re, or Foot Locker just ended up restocking. Oh, so nice. um, you know, a lot of sizes were sold out last week, um, but like this week, fresh batch, you know, the sizes are on store shelves. Um, the, the engagement, I mean, we're seeing just such great reception to it. I think people across the board like have spent a cumulative like, 20 something hours like just playing the music um, over the last two weeks which is pretty insane but it, it's really sort of humbling to see sort of the non sorry I, i'm saying sort of a lot but the non-crypto consumers really adopt this and, and and take this to to the next level you know especially from a lens where so many mainstream consumers have been so jaded and and have such a bad perception of crypto and blockchain and web three, you know, it, it's great to see people using this and, 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 you know, experiencing it for what it is. It's, it's a unique physical product that has, you know, this exclusive digital experience attached to it. Um, so the reception has been great on, you know, the, the mainstream consumer and retail side. We, we got picked up by hype beast, hype Bay, you know, mix mag, Fader, like all these crazy journal outlets that like, if you told me four years ago, we'd be headlining some of these, you know, publications, I'd be like, you're, you're screwing with me. There's no way. Yeah. <laughs> tell me a little bit about, I'm a big sneakerhead. So tell me a little bit about the shoes. I got a glimpse of them online and they have like, uh, the style's cool. Like a little bit of like an off white vibe to them. Uh, how many different like colorways do you have? And if you, if you scan, like if I scan this, uh, if I scan the chip, uh, does every person who buys the shoe get the same mixtape or is it just like one of these 14 tracks? How, how's that break down logistically? Yeah. So, I mean, I personally would not be able to do design justice. I'm not the designer, but AJ, who we are really close with, you know, has, you know, gone very in depth into the design of the shoe. I will try my best to, to give you a quick overview. So the collection as a whole is called the evolution of the mixtape, right? So a lot of the designs, inspirations come from mixtape culture. The one you see behind me right here, that's the classic cassette. Um, and that's the one that's the most widely available. I think they made the most units of those. Um, there's the second colorway is called the disc. So it's oh, the nice. evolution of the mixtape to the CD era. It's modeled after Walkman you know, um, CD players. And then the final public colorway is called the playlist, which is modeled after the MP3 player, digital, you know, um, players and stuff like that. The experience itself is actually different across all three colorways. Mm. So when you scan it, you get a different experience that's catered to that era of mixtape culture. Um, so you scan this, you get a little cassette player, and then the other ones are obviously reflective of their, um, their own colorway. 
Uh, all three of these, you know, really kind of take design inspiration from the original mixtape sneaker. So this was done three years ago by the same people, um, Rock Nation and Puma. And um, that was just a friends and family collaboration. So that was like all the design components, all the colorways, all mixed into one. So you might actually see that on like Goat or StockX or any of the secondary marketplaces. Um, that was the OG colorway, right? And, and yeah, the, the only three public colorways are available. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll leave it at that. That's cool. Wow. You, you said they're a Foot Locker, wow. huh? That's a, that's a great deal for you. They're they're at Foot Locker. They're literally on store shelves. Um, I think on launch day, I walked in and took a bunch of pictures with customers and everything. So that was pretty cool. Uh, Foot Locker Champs, um, which Foot Locker, I think, are right. kind of yeah, owned by the same people. Yeah, and, and Puma.com. So so select Puma flagship stores and, and on Puma.com. So yeah, this is a full mainstream release. Um, and it's... Something that you know you you would have no idea has you know crypto or blockchain behind it. Yeah. Before you got on, I was just telling Brian that I'm not sure Calvin knows what a cassette is, let alone a mixtape. But it's good to hear that there's different evolutions of it. I myself will date myself, and I will have to probably purchase a cassette. But personal question: Have you made a mixtape or a mixed playlist? I guess <laughs> I, I have. I have not personally made a mixtape tape. I have listen to mixtapes i i i am not to age myself but still relevant of that era okay still remember you know driving in a toyota corolla where we had to to (laughs) put those in there so wow um, uh no i I definitely you know i think the mixtapes themselves are very sort of nostalgic for me Mm -hmm. um personally for me actually making a mixtape i made a mixed cd that was sort of when i became aware enough to do a lot of that stuff um but you know it it really kind of goes back to the idea of distributing up-and-coming music It, it it's all connected there's so many dots that you know are relevant to the narrative and storytelling behind this drop you know you used to get new mixtape from up and coming artists on the street they would give you you know like go to Times Square, they'd be like, oh, take my CD, take my CD, right? And the concept here is the same, is that obviously, like, with in this era of DSPs and, like, streaming music and, and uh, not even to, let's not even go into, like, Web3 stuff in terms of, you know, music NFTs or whatever. Like, there's so many ways to distribute music now. This is sort of a throwback to the analog way of distributing, you know, unreleased tracks. Mm. Um, so the whole concept kind of comes full circle. It's like, you have to buy the shoe to be able to access the mixtape itself. Yeah, so it's a really unique idea. I love it. I think NFC chips and luxury goods, it, it seems like a no-brainer to me um, from like just verifying the authenticity of it. Um, I, I, kind of personally, I see like within the next 5, 10, 20 years, these high-end luxury good brands are all going to have NFC chips in some form or fashion. If that's what we're calling out NFTs or even saying the word blockchain, more likely not because we don't call digital audio MP3s anymore. It's like, hey, I'm just going to put music right. So I, I think it's really interesting yeah. how these NFC NFC chips are going to be applied with luxury brands. What, what's your whole vibe and feeling overall with the how, where the industry is going down the line? It's already happening. It's already happening. I mean, like, obviously, like, Dior made a whole big deal about their B33 sneakers recently that have an NFC chip attached to it. You could scan it to unlock a digital twin. Um, like, like we're saying, like, no, 
a lot of these brands, you know, they're not using the terminology that the crypto space is, is using. Um, and I think that's a great thing. I think that's a really, really good thing to take it back to luxury. I mean, this kind of stuff has been around for years. It's, it's not new to the brands. Um, Montclair has had NFC tags and before that RFID tags behind their Montclair patch. Nike experimented with, you know, NFC in their jerseys back in 2017. It, it, it's all about timing, right? Because ultimately, at least in the West, a lot of consumers still don't know what, what this stuff is. I mean, it took a whole mm-hmm. pandemic to teach people how to use QR codes. Right? <laughs> so, That's a um, so it's a lot of it is education. A lot of it is like teaching people how to you know leverage this technology. And, and I think it, that onus is really on the brands because a lot of these brands have been using this type of stuff internally for a while. You know, they've mm-hmm. been using it to track. They've been using it to verify authenticity. Almost scared to kind of expose this to consumers. One, probably because the education wasn't there. But two, the technology just wasn't there as well. iPhones couldn't scan this stuff natively until like 2020 when Apple released, you know, the ability to do this. So when we talk about consumer adoption, I think that's the biggest hurdle. I also think, you know, that the expectations need to be established very early on in terms of what this technology is capable of. And I, I think Legitimate is one of the you know only companies, I mean, obviously I'm biased, but one of the only companies that's really painting a, a valid picture around why consumers would care, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, look, I see a Clonex behind you, Joe, and, and, and obviously we, uh, being, I'm a Clonex holder myself, not to talk to myself, but... Um, you know, artifact releasing shoes, you can scan and, and claim an NFT. Uh, that's cool. Like that's like a one-time thing, right? Realistically, it's like people talk a lot about, oh, this would be really beneficial for brands and, and consumers in the secondary market. You know, StockX would you know cease to exist. Like we could verify authenticity with 100% accuracy. And that's all true. But the same people saying that the same companies that are building for that don't understand the economics of how any of this work. Like I'm, I'm just going to be like mm-hmm. hot take here, right? Because mm-hmm. who's paying for the technology? It's the brands, yeah. right? And who's benefiting from it? The secondary market consumers who don't even buy the, the products from the brands in the first place. Right. And yeah, you can talk about secondary market royalties all you want, but realistically brands, that sort of investment isn't, isn't really justified for them. So if we're going to kind of match the engagement on the consumer level to the willingness to invest on the brand level, we really need to start talking about, okay, why do brands care, right? right? Why, why would brands invest all this money to put this chip and make it consumer facing, right? And that's sort of where what we're doing is setting a precedent for this. It's, it's more than just scan to verify your authenticity. It's, it's scan and, and engage with the brand on a completely new level. Mm-hmm. Right. We're talking about content. We're talking about exclusive access. And really, it, it goes back to this concept of token gated access. All of these term, terms and all these trends that NFT projects or the Web3 space has pioneered, we're just now mapping and making it more digestible to brands and consumers. Absolutely. I, for one, I was talking to Brian prior to you jumping on, have not been a big fashion guy until NFT. So I'm like the opposite. I'm actually getting into fashion due to the fact that I own a Clonex, due to the fact that I have an Adidas NFT and whatnot. Um, so I don't, I don't have an allegiance to one brand per se, but I'm seeing that they are winning market share, like brands who are integrating, 
you know, products with their NFTs on the opposite side of the spectrum. At least I'm purchasing more fashion than I've ever had in my life. So I, right. I want to wait. I want to see the, the side of the, that you're painting a picture of is how do brands start engaging non-Web3 people, right? And getting them on board. And I think yeah. legitimate, to your point, you're doing one of the first activations that is a lot different than everyone else in this landscape, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's not to, that's, that's no shade on anybody else, right? It, it's definitely a, a gradual process. I think it's, it's, it's more so, you know, just making sure we're building for value, right? Like understanding where the value exists and, and making sure that, you know, brands understand. Cause that's, that's the hurdle here. Consumers adapt very quickly, right? You show them one thing and you change it the next week, they're, they're willing to like adapt and like learn and, and, and take that for what it is. Brands take forever to adapt. <laughs> you show them one thing, it doesn't work. It, it might not never, it might not ever see the light of day ever again. Mm. Wow. So, so when you're talking with some of these brands, what's, what's your pitch to them overall? Just more customer engagement. They could gamify experiences. They could, uh, authenticity. Uh, you know, that's, that's the whole story. How, how do you go about that? Yeah. It would, it would really depend on a case-by-case basis, obviously. And we, we do a lot of research into the brand and, and also being you know into fashion beforehand. I, I personally enjoy doing that. But we tailor, we tailor a lot of the pitches to sort of what the brand is working on and focusing on at the time. Um, but yeah, it, it really boils down to customer engagement, brand loyalty, sort of building that connectivity tissue, right? Between the physical and digital. A lot of brands now are, are you know, as much as they don't want to say the word NFT, they are paying attention yeah. to to digital universes, whether it's Roblox, Fortnite, you know, or even like uh, their own Web three metaverse. And a big issue for them is connecting the dots between the strategy there, like how how does you know Ralph Lauren launching on Sandbox tie back to their heritage brand at all, yeah. right? Um, and, and the biggest problem is over time, we're starting to see more and more of that diverge. So if we're coming in and we know the brand has worked on both sides, you know, they're a very established traditional physical retail brand, but they've been dabbling on the Roblox side on, you know, the Fortnite side on the metaverse side, digital campaigns and activations. We come in and we really tailor that to like, Hey, here's the opportunity to finally close the loop, connect the dots and bridge the two together. Right. Imagine buying a sneaker, getting a skin in game. Imagine, you know, vice versa to, you know, completing a task in game and being and being able to access, you know, the a drop for I mean, we're we're seeing a lot of the other side, right? Doing something digitally to be able to, you know, be gifted or have the ability to purchase something physically. We're not seeing a lot of the other side around, which um I would say is a way larger funnel for, for what it's worth. Yeah, there's so much brand launching happening now. That was going to be my question, but I think you answered it in a way is what's what's next for these brands, right? They're all testing the NFC chip, some of them the metaverse, like you mentioned. So there must be, well, there not must be, but there's probably another progression of uh, NFC or a metaverse or Web3. What's your outlook or, or even a pie in the high sky thing that you want? Yeah, I I have a very strong thought on sort of the current state of retail especially as it pertains to the web3 and and my hot take that it probably isn't even that hot anymore everybody's saying it is that most nft projects are becoming ip companies 
And those that do not become IP companies are probably going to fail, right? I mean, you mentioned Pudgy, you mentioned, you know, BeFriends, like look at what they're doing, right? They're moving into merchandising, physical products, real life activations. And for a lot of these brands, you know, they have built their empire and sort of their trajectory on this concept of collaborations, this concept of, you know, working with other relevant IP. I know, you know, Puma is a huge one. Puma, Puma works with some of the biggest IP in the world and, and they're, they're very, very sort of on top of what is popular in subcultures. You know, they they do mm. stuff with like K-pop bands. They do stuff with anime, uh, so much more. But, you know, as, as we see, these NFT companies, you know, find their quote unquote utility, you know, what we have to do is look back at like the last decade of IP growth. If you look at the top 10 IP companies in the world, I mean, top 20 even, approximately like 60 to 70% of their revenue comes from merchandise. Mm -hmm. So for us, you know, physical merchandise was sort of the yesteryear of what we're doing. I mean, now it's all about, hey, like we said, connecting dots, physical and digital. So the more that we kind of push this push this boundary, the more opportunity it gives for IP companies, whether they're normal Web2 IP or Web3 IP, right? We're able to build that connectivity into fashion, into you know these, these larger brands that have the capability to kind of magnify and amplify um, everything that, that, that is happening in the space. That's a good take. I, I, <clears throat> I'm not a special... Uh, like expertise in, in retail, but I already find myself having allegiance for brands that are onboarding people in Web3 because there's provenance there, right? There's the first time there's a reciprocal kind of benefit. I'm getting a ton of benefits from certain brands. I just mentioned Brian today that I sold a Starbucks NFT for profit, but I'm also getting a lot of free coffee from them. <laughs> so, Dude, those are doing I mean, so well. Like they're doing so well. I mean, yes. people, people don't think about it because they're only a couple hundred dollars, but you minted them for what? Like, under a hundred bucks in the floor price. I mean, like not, I, I hate speculating, but like you're talking about something that has utility. You get free coffee, right? You, you, you get all these, you know, membership benefits that old Starbucks reward stars used to give you. And you still hold on to that asset. And like, they've been like holding very steady for the last year. So congrats to you, man. <laughs> no, I'm just making a point that I, I, I'm with you. I think most companies, most brands should have the IP entangled with uh, Web3 because it really helps um, with consumers, like there's benefits on both sides of the equation. The brand could see when the consumer started their loyalty and reward such users, right? Uh, and we were never able to see that before prior to Web3. Uh, so I'm with you. I'm, I want all my clothing to have NFC chips so I can get rewarded as a consumer is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, we've only scratched the surface of sort of this new paradigm of engagement. I mean, to, to tell you guys the truth, this was like our most basic basic filter down idea for what's possible. Like, you know, given time and given the relationships that we're building, like you're going to start to see much more engaging, you know, activations, products, things coming out in the future. I, I worked, uh, my pre I worked for a Web3 company previously, and there were some unique projects that came across our plate. And one was um, embedding these chips in, into uh, some uh, of the NFL players' shoes and tracking like yardage and speed and almost making a gamification like another form of fantasy football by real life data from a real life game so for instance uh uh 
Devontae Smith, you know, you you need him to get like 100 yards. That's all be tracked, but it could all be done through this pair of shoes and how that would integrate to the uh, broader ecosystem. I, I think, you know, the sky's the limit how, how far you can go down that r- rabbit hole. Totally. And that's, that's, we haven't even touched on like active technology. NFC chips are passive, meaning unless you scan them, they have no power. They don't emit any sort of data. They, they don't track at all. But like, you now have an entire generation where batteries are small enough to fit underneath the sole, right? Like you talk about Nike doing their sort of connected shoes and all that. Like that's, that's, that's another sort of, that's like out off, like out of the atmosphere, really. Like it's, it's, it's completely new, new playing, playing field. Got it. Yeah, yeah, there's. We don't want to get into a deep rabbit hole, but I will ask this question since it's top of mind for ninety percent of the people out there. And I just actually covered one of my first AI NFT uh, projects out there. You know, is that what you're you know working on in the future? Is what's your thoughts on that at all? Integrating with kind of the technology that we have now. AI. Yeah. Yeah. So I have I have a strong take on AI. I think it's really useful. I think more hot takes. Love it. Um, yeah, as well. I think that in, personally, in, in my opinion, we need to be building technology to protect us against it. I'm not saying they're going to kill us. I'm not saying they're going to like, you know, take over the world or anything. I'm just saying that the level of misinformation that we have currently, um, without AI is already insane, mm-hmm. right? Like a lot of people get their news off of Twitter. A lot of, you know, I, I don't even go on Twitter anymore. I post, but like, I, I try and limit how much I consume from it because, you never really know where information comes from. And now you, you have the ability to generate an image or video of anything in like 30 seconds. So I think I've always said that like, you know, the perfect use case for Web3, and it even maps to what we're doing at Legitimate too, right? In the sense of the physical is that it gives transparency into where things came from, right? Um, for example, like physical products, obviously there's always going to be that physical barrier and, and it's way easier to tell, okay, like obviously an AI didn't make this pair of shoes unless there's some AI overlord or whatever. But um, in, in the lens of photography, music, you know, video creation, I, I think blockchain and, and web three is that's a perfect fit right? for people building in the intersection is that we've been talking about why traceability and provenance is important for a long time. Well, this is sort of the golden opportunity for that as this sort of AI rocket ship takes off and, and more and more people are being exposed to potentially fake or generative content. We now have a greater need to be able to distinguish, okay, like what is actually human created versus AI generated. Um, and I don't know what the solution is. I, I, I'm obviously focused on building this. This is my baby for, for, for the future. But um, I think that there's a huge potential for blockchain and Web3 uh, to shine, especially in the authenticity, transparency, and provenance space. Yeah. So the I guess the last question that we have for you is, are you allowed to share with us what's next? You mentioned a lot of things that you are working on, that these activations that will blow our mind. Yeah. Te- can, you, can you give a sneak peek at all? Um, the, the, the only thing I can say is there's a lot of anime coming up, a lot of anime coming up. I've been wondering that, like these big IPs over in Asia, they haven't really entered at all. So I was, I was really curious about that. And if you guys are bringing them on, I'm excited because you actually have some usefulness. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. Um, we're working with some, I mean, a little bit more alpha We're we're working with one of the biggest anime 
projects in this space. Um, we're also, you know, we were just at Comic Con. Uh, I think we're seeing a lot of, you know, I come from a, I come from a fashion and and you know, like like you, Brian, a, a sneakerhead background where I, I collected a lot of shoes and streetwear and stuff like that. I my girlfriend gets mad at me for how many shoe boxes I have, but um, obviously there's a whole nother world where people collect things like trading cards, figurines, um, and. It, it, the parallels are all there yeah. uh, in terms of you know exclusivity, access, being able to tell a story behind that. So um, we've been talking a lot with uh, you know anime companies, figurine companies, and stuff like that. So that's oh my god, you're so you touch on a point that I forgot. About. I bought a fake anime collectible. I, I truly did from a from a mall. <laughs> was, wow! Yeah, where was yeah. the yeah. mall at? That was the question. It's in Daly City. Don't go there, guys. <laughs> there it is. If it had a legit tag on it, you know, you might have been able to tell before you purchased it. I do have a question for you that popped into my head, and it's more around. It's like we're talking about like sneaker culture and sneaker head. What's how's that community embrace this? Are they like fired up, or are they? over like the technology or I think that I saw a sneak peek of this not a sneak peek I saw a style of the shoe and I was like this gives me like cool vibes like I'm gonna probably go to Foot Locker and get yeah. one I'm not gonna lie but curious like how just the overall masses are looking at it I mean you tell me right you and I are both sort of in this space I, like I, I think it's a mixed bag I think it's split right I think there are a lot of sneaker heads who have embraced nft culture i think there are also a lot of sneaker heads who are like now nah, get this out of here um i think specifically for our our drop with puma like it wasn't an nft it wasn't marketed as that it wasn't you know it didn't cost an arm and a leg it was 130 dollars. You, you buy it in footlocker that you don't need to download a wallet you don't need to do any of that so most of the people who are who are talking about this are seeing it for what it is it, it's a physical sneaker with a very progressive and unique digital experience. Um, so the recept the receptiveness, like I said, was, you know, really, really positive, especially in the um, mainstream, like non-crypto, non-Web3 space. If anything, it's the the, the Web3 space. It was like, why aren't, why aren't they saying this is an <laughs> NFT? Why aren't they? I'm like, you know, it's like, because we're not, we're not making this for you guys. <laughs> in good time, in good time, you know, we're very, we get very anxious in Web3. We want all the he headlines. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. It's, it's funny because I, I think I'm on like, a, I'm on the, the Puma Discord, right? And, and people are posting about it. It's like, hey, like, what is this? What is this? Uh, <laughs> nobody, like, nobody was talking about it. Puma, Puma is doing their own thing with, with Web3 stuff, right? This was not a Web3 project. This was not an NFT project. This was a you know mainstream collaboration release with you know Rock Nation that's being distributed to like everyday consumers. Yeah, let me tell you, I, I'm not a sneakerhead, but I think I'm gonna for sure 100% grab a Puma a legitimate tag sneaker because it hits all my heartstrings. Cassette tapes, mixtapes, <laughs> and uh, Puma is one of the only NFT projects that I haven't got. Well, this is not NFT project. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This is one of the first, you know, activations from Web3 that uh, uh, with Puma. I never had. I don't have anything Puma. So I really look forward to experiencing it. Actually, I want to try it. I want to listen to the music and, and yeah. uh, I'll probably feel some nostalgia. You know, I'm not I'm not 50, but, you know, 50 years celebrating uh, R&B and hip hop. I think I'm going to have a lot of uh, the, songs that, that resonate. The mixtape is actually pretty fire. It's really exactly. good. It's, That's what it's I want. Also like, 
in an era where a lot of rap nowadays and a lot of hip hop is just not my personal taste, I, I understand why people like it. It's a really, really good feeling to see, you know, up and coming artists really throw it back to like, you know, more, more nostalgic uh, beats and styles. Awesome. Well, uh, let's end it with this. Is there anything that we should have asked you that we, we might not have? No, I, I mean, you guys did a great job. Thanks for, thanks for having me on the show. And, 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 you know, I really look forward to, you know, hearing the, the stuff that comes out of uh, what you guys are doing uh, in the future with some of the other builders and creators that you're bringing on. Awesome. Well, we love having creators like you who are doing real things in the real world. And I'll make sure to put all the links of Legitimate down below so that we can see what you guys are working on next. I'm sure it's going to be a lot of cool and fun stuff. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Brian. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you. I can't wait to go to Foot Locker and get my cassette tape. I seriously, I've already <laughs> yeah. it in. That's the one I'm getting, so I'm, I'm excited. You, you'd be surprised. I mean, of the the CD, the the disc colorway has been pretty oh, hot. Is the, so. is, I would imagine the box is designed as well, like as a cassette. Oh yeah. It, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is the mixtape mp3 and disc so they all have different graphics and super tailored to like the color way itself joe we're gonna have some decisions to make one of these well brian you have you have uh, four kids so you know you just get one of each for them and you're all set <laughs> <laughs> they're too busy on roblox they're gonna be like what's the cassette oh. <laughs> awesome so awesome calvin thank you so much calvin, thank you all right thanks guys Bye. Bye.